0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the TED's International Podcast with me, Danworth. Our guest today is Jenny Devine, an international school leader with over 15 years' experience teaching and working across the world, from Italy to Colombia, Scotland to Ecuador. We discuss her career journey and what it's taught about the international teaching experience, and why now might actually be the perfect time to consider a career in the sector. Hi Jenny, it's so great to uh, to get a chance to chat with you and uh, and sort of talk about you know your career for international teaching and what you sort of the wisdom you, you've gained from that time and what you'd pass on to other teachers. Um, to start with, why don't we just start by finding a little bit about about you, the roles you've had in the past, you know how you've come to be where you are now, um, and then we can sort of put everything in context from there.
1: Um, absolutely. Uh, well, I started my uh, teacher training and my teaching career in Orkney in Scotland. After that, I decided I wanted to move internationally, and um, Italy took my took my fancy. I like the food, and I thought, you know, it's it's actually quite a beautiful place, you know. <laughs> um, so I decided to move to Italy. I taught there for a few years, became um, like a subject coordinator, and uh year group coordinator, moved to Colombia where I was a PYP coordinator for a few years, then moved to, um, that was Cali, Colombia, then moved to Bogota where I was the deputy head and a PYP coordinator in Ecuador. I became the head of primary and then finally, uh, coming to um, Ila- um, Italy, where I live now, um, in Milan, I was initially the head of primary at the school where I'm working now, and then I became the principal at the same school.
0: Well, that's some, uh, some tour of the world there. Um, <laughs> I suppose the first question to ask is, you said you did your, your teacher training in Scotland, but you, you don't really have a Scottish accent. So can you maybe explain that one as well? <laughs>
1: Yes, yeah, so I actually grew up in Southern California. Um, I moved to Scotland um, as soon as I graduated. Um, I was I had a Scottish partner at the time. So I, uh, after doing my original degree, I did my teacher training in Aberdeen in Scotland and lived in Scotland for 14 years, I think it was.
0: <laughs> so, so I suppose you've technically been an international teacher your whole Career, although I guess is it fair to say that the, the move to Italy, the first move to Italy, was a sort of real start of that overseas teaching adventure.
1: I guess I could say that, but I, I really feel like because my training was in Scotland and because I was rooted in Scotland, that didn't feel like um, that didn't feel like international teaching, and even though I suppose. I, on a technicality it was but yes the very first kind of time I just realized that there was a whole world out there and that I had two really marketable skills that I was a native English speaker and I was a primary school teacher that I could go anywhere in the world.
0: Yeah that's quite a sort of moment of realization I mean again right. can you talk us through about what happened and so why was it that you suddenly thought you know what you know I love, I love what I do but I've got to go and move abroad and, and Italy was the sort of destination how did that all sort of come about what, what kickstarted that journey?
1: I was actually leaping through a test back in the old days when it was all print. And I just sort of was um, just found the international section and there was a, there was a job in Italy and I thought, Oh, well, let's just see. And um, I didn't really necessarily give it, um, I didn't really have a fixed plan that I'm going to emigrate to Italy, but once I was offered the position, I thought, well, why not? Um, Again, it's it's a place I've visited, I've loved, um, and I could sort of, not be a tourist, but really experience another culture and, and learn, meet different children. And um, it, I thought it kind of brought everything that I was interested in together.
0: Do you think there's a sort of point there as well, that even for like any teacher who's thinking, you know, in the back of their mind about, oh, one day maybe I could go and teach internationally, that Actually, you can can do it almost on on a whim, shall we say. You don't have to plan everything to the nth degree. You can sort of just start and and the opportunity can quickly present itself if you just keep your eyes peeled
1: absolutely and I would say also for uh, one thing that I realized is even though it was my first time moving abroad the school obviously had a lot of experience bringing teachers from the UK so I wasn't I was taking a leap of faith in the school they knew the processes so it wasn't me having to figure everything out and I think that that was a realization as well so I wasn't just moving to this country uh, a new country completely um, unaccompanied as it were the school they they knew uh, what things I need to apply for all the documentation, all the bureaucracy, um, and the accommodation, they helped sort all that out. So it really made things a lot easier. And once I, once I decided to take the plunge, it was, a. it was a. It was a. Well, as you can see, it's bit, I haven't looked back since.
0: <laughs> and and that's an interesting point. You, you talk about that about the school and how they sort of helped you, and that you know the, from their side the processes were, were well known. I mean, again, that's something that you can. You understandably, it would be quite daunting, maybe for a teacher that the visas and how do you set up a home and a bank account and all those kind of things. But but again, it sounds like a, a good school will be one that will sort of say to you, look, don't worry about that stuff. We'll guide you through that. What we want you, we want you because you're a great teacher.
1: Absolutely. Um, the, as I said, the systems will be in 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 almost every international school. Those systems will be in place. And I would have to say I was also a really complicated case because not only was I coming over, but I also had um, a kidney transplant and I had two cats. So I basically just made things as complicated as possible uh, for this school. But still, you know, everything. Is, if you're upfront about your needs, if you're upfront about um, um, about what you uh, what your particular concerns are you know the school will be able to be able to accommodate that and any reputable school if they can't accommodate will say like actually we can't because but I mean I haven't I mean as I said I think I'm possibly one of the most complicated cases a person could be (laughs) and I haven't found any impediments in terms of going internationally
0: Mm. and your cats were able to join you
1: yeah, they were. Yeah,
0: yeah they, they 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 were. <laughs> so when you when you made that move then and you sort of arrived in your new school and on the first day again, how what was that like when you you left somewhere obviously you'd known and, and like I presume you know the language wasn't ever a consideration and suddenly you're in an international school, whole new world. I mean, you know, was it daunting? Was it did you take to it like a duck to water I and mean, you know again, what was that experience really like? Well,
1: I think one thing I realized it was um was because nobody knew me, um, I could start from scratch, and that has its um, positives and negatives. It has its positives because you know you can you can um, explore different. You know, maybe you want to try a new hobby, or you want to try learn a new language. You can really really, uh, there's an idea of, of, of a blank slate and not in a negative way, but in a really positive way of, but also the other thing that was also the, the flip side of that is that nobody knows you and you have to reestablish yourself. Um, you know, you, you, all the expectations about who you are, you have to reestablish when you go to a new school. I found that really, really an interesting process because it was this opportunity for me to reflect on, okay, there, here's a big change kind of what te- kind of teacher do I want to be? What kind of professional do I want to be? What kind of kind of person do I want to be? It was a real revelation.
0: And, and so through that, I mean, is there any sort of um, were there any sort of things you did change dramatically in what you did, or was it more of a, is it more of an evolution rather than revolution, sort of self sense of self as a teacher?
1: I think that uh, well, one thing that was really interesting moving to a place like Italy is I'm not, necess- I wasn't necessarily a very I was kind of a little bit more not standoffish but you know a little bit more reserved but going to a place like italy where it's very kind of affectionate and very warm i think it really brought out that warm side of me and i think it really responded to the the culture of the of the country i was in everything else everything else would have been an evolution of course it was the first time you, i was teaching a new curriculum so of course you evolve a little bit in terms of uh, methods of teaching or approaches to teaching. And um, anytime you teach another curriculum, you, d- you gain a little bit of insight on, you can, you can bring your previous um, experience to bear.
0: Mm. That's an interesting point about the sort of culture of, of the school and, and I suppose the children and their parents, sort of how that you know, affected how you were as a teacher and I guess as a person. Again, that's another sort of very interesting element of international schooling is that you could think you know how to teach because you've, you're in a certain country and you move somewhere else and how you teach and The way you interact with children and parents and other teachers, I presume, is suddenly very different. And that must be both, again, very exciting, potentially a little bit daunting, but a really sort of worthwhile and interesting thing to do.
1: Absolutely, especially as I said, I went from uh, teaching an island school in Scotland where the children were you know, very quiet, very well reserved, you know, you'd ask a question and you really need to draw them out where we, I went to Italy, where, you know, if, if you tried to get everybody working in absolute silence, you, you, would, you would go mad. Um, but you do have the flip side of that is you've got the enthusiasm and children are participating. So you have to adapt as a professional, which is really interesting growth experience. As, as you rightly said, Dan, that Basically, um, there's no one right way to be a teacher and you can bring out different facets of yourself by teaching in different cultures.
0: Hmm. So you, you taught there for, remind us, how many years were you at that school?
1: I was at school for two years initially. Well, basically, what happened was I, w- I was in this international school in Italy, and I um, everybody was saying, "Oh, yes, yeah, so I just they just come from Colombia and from Vietnam and from Nigeria, all these different places." And um, I'd come from Orkney, and actually, everybody was amazed at where I'd come from. Like that was the that was the destination that everybody seemed most impressed with. and these were people who were teaching at really far-flung corners of the world. <laughs>
0: So, so then, so was that what you sort of felt? No, I need to go. I need to go further afield now. I want to. I've, you know, I've made the first move, Scotland to Italy. I'm really going to push now. And, and you ended up in Colombia next. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, and it was because actually, uh, several people I worked with said, "Oh, Colombia's amazing. It's a really incredible country." And it was one of these things. I thought, like, "For a penny and for a pound, I might as well go to go to Colombia next." Um, and I'd always wanted to visit South America, and it just seemed like a really interesting again, it was a really interesting way to sort of see the world and experience the world.
0: And was that a promotion sort of role or was that just a sideways step? I mean, did you manage to balance career growth with, you know, again, with that that desire to explore?
1: Yeah, well, what happened is I went to a job fair and there were several different um, schools there and I had different job offers from different places, but the, I really wanted to move to Columbia and it just so happened that the, the, the school I moved to were implementing the PYP where of course I'd just come from a school a PYP school so I ended up being the PYP coordinator so I I, 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 I fell into the a promotion kind of by, by dint of the fact that I wanted to go to Colombia and yeah that was a really interesting challenge as well
0: mm. well yeah let's let's find out a bit more about that then I mean Colombia yeah an amazing destination to end up so again what what sort of did you was well, again? Was it a massive change from it from Italy, or had the experience in Italy sort of prepared you a little bit better than the first time? Or you know, again, did you really sort of have to relearn a new way of engaging with the pupils and the parents, or was it kind of similar?
1: Um, well, first I moved to I moved to Cali, Colombia first, and I think that um, actually it was really interesting moving to Italy um, uh, first. And I think that it's one of these things um, where once you do it, you are a little bit more um, you are more prepared. So even taking the step from Italy to Colombia, which is you know. Italy being within Europe and Colombia moving to a whole other continent, it didn't feel as as daunting. And I think especially because the schools in uh, countries like Colombia, um, they also really work hard to attract um, people. So you, the and they know that people might be a little bit put off by moving to a place like Colombia. So everything is all the you know as soon as you're in touch with them, the the documentation is very very clear. All the steps are really really laid out. Um, everything the, the move over there was incredibly incredibly smooth I- except the cats
0: um, oh they weren't right. able to come this time
1: they were they had to take a detour through um the united states it was a very complicated process but still we got the cats yeah no, well that,
0: that's good to know that they, they continue <laughs> But uh, you, you raised a point there about the fact that it could seem daunting and, and their schools are aware of that. I mean, again, we've been sort of quite, you've been fairly positive, which is which is great. But I mean, what, during this period we we're talking about, were there any times when you did find it hard or when you sort of, the culture sort of, the newness of it suddenly went from being exciting to suddenly a bit like tiring to learn new systems or constantly be behind on the language? or You know, again, is, it's worth, let's address the reality that maybe it's not always perfect. I mean, again, anything like that that you went through? And again, how did the schools sort of help through those moments if they occurred?
1: i think most of the times it usually came about um i think most in most countries you had th- there's an adjustment period the first there's like a honeymoon period of a few months where you just you want to go out and try everything and you're coming to a new school with new people and so there's a there's a real excitement you've got a new class but after a while there you, you kind of run up against ba- uh, barriers and i'm not the kind of person who would say like i wish it was like um my the home country but i did the one thing that would often get me in both places it, all the places I've lived is uh, either bureaucracy. Um, and again, because I have a medical condition, the, a lot of times it was medical bureaucracy. And um, that was, that could be very, very, um, it, it could be a little bit daunting and a little bit frustrating. I think I found that uh, what helped was uh, speaking to people in HR, sometimes speaking to other expats who had creative solutions for different bureaucratic issues. And then I also finally uh, broke down and bought a Kindle and I just basically took that with me wherever I went. So even if I was going to be waiting for two hours, I was reading. So it, it felt a little bit, um, I, I tried to approach it in a positive yeah. way.
0: <laughs> and you mentioned expats there. I mean, presumably majoritatively teachers, but maybe also just other sort of professionals in the same part of the world as you. And again, is that that's something that I can imagine in, building up those communities of other people who, you know, speak the same language or have the same background, just as those little moments of interaction where you can sort of, sort of slot back into a different, you know, brain space, that must be quite nice. And again, something that for a new teacher thinking about going international, they should know that they're not going to be the only person there who, who, you know, has the same interest in, in life back at home as well.
1: Exactly, and also you're probably not gonna be the only person arriving at a school at a certain a certain time. So you usually you, know, you have two or three uh, new staff, depending on the size of the school and the turnover, arriving at the same time. So there's other people in your same situations. So I think that um, one, one good thing about um, working in inter- internationally is that you you can have a little bubble if you want to. You can have a bubble of people who you speak English at work. You'll, you can make friends with expats. You can speak English. A lot of times there'll be different people in the community who are speaking English, so you can. There's usually quite a. a You could really make a a bubble for yourself. I would always advise, once people um, get a little bit of confidence to break out of that bubble a little bit. And that's actually really hard because that's how you learn the language. That's how you learn a little bit more about the culture. That's how you make friends in that country. But, um, But there is that reassurance always of people who speak your language, who share your culture.
0: So if we, if we return to sort of the narrative of your career and, and being in Colombia, I mean, again, what was that like then? Was it was it a totally different school experience to Italy or was it quite similar? I mean, what, what kind of, you know, what engagement, what levels, like, you know, in the class today, were they also very outgoing? You sort of think they might, they might have been, but, but was it the same?
1: Yeah, they were. Um, they were. They were pretty outgoing um, and wanting to contribute, and I really took a, um, a step sideways because it, in terms of what year I was teaching, I was teaching year three initially in um, Italy, and then I ended up teaching year seven maths in, in Colombia, So um, as, well, as well as doing the coordination. So obviously it's kind of, it is kind of comparing apples and oranges in terms of children, because we're talking about two different uh, key stages there. But um, the, the job, the children um, were very similar. The, um, you, of course, the like the, in Colombia, it's the lifestyle. It's the fact that, you know, some of the, the, the lunchroom in Colombia didn't have, you know, had had partial walls um, and just everything was open just because, you know, the weather's never bad enough that you need to, you, you, you know, we didn't need to have um, central heating. <laughs> it was just you'd have a you'd have the breeze, and then the, the roof would keep off the tropical rain, and that was it. And um, you know, we people wore flip flops and shorts to school. That was interesting. And school had to end by two o'clock in the afternoon because it was so hot. Uh, this was in Cali, so there, there was like these little details that really made you feel like I, you know, you're in the tropics. That was a that was interesting. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and school, schools without walls—that's that'll be a new one on many people, I, I think. But, <laughs> yeah. but yeah,
1: partial walls, low walls. Yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, but but yeah, just the top half, half of the walls were just absent.
0: <laughs> and you were there for four years, is that right?
1: I was in Cali for two years, and then I went to Bogota for two years. And Bogota is uh, Cali. Cali was a fantastic experience. I really enjoyed that. And I was the PYP coordinator. And then I went to Bogota, um, where I was the deputy head of primary. And Bogota is a city I just love. Uh, I just love Colombia in general. Colombians are just friendly and happy. And, you know, they love dancing and music. And it, 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 it's, it's Colombia is a fantastic place. At Bogota, I really enjoyed it. That was a uh, the school I worked at there was... A really, really um, very organized school that were very keen to get the best people from um, all around the world. Everything was very well organized.
0: And and the move to uh, to Bogota, was that um, again, did that come with a sort of promotion or was that just because you felt you really wanted to go and be in that part of Colombia to experience that more directly. I mean, again, how, it's interesting the way you seem to sort of have moved on and, and potentially also matched it with a sort of career growth. So, well, which is again, might be quite reassuring for people to know that you can do both.
1: Well, absolutely. I mean, I have to say that my career path is completely unintentional and uh, in the sense that I am not a, a person who was ever ambitious trying to follow a certain career path. But, you know, once you get experience, uh, I think that there, there are always opportunities in different schools around the different schools around the world. Um, When I went to Bogota, I did, I was kind of thinking I wanted to move to Bogota because I um, did really like the, the, I had visited a few times. The city really appealed to me. I'd gone on a school visit actually from my, uh, from the school in Cali to Bogota and you know it was made clear that a position was coming up um, a deputy head and so I I applied for that role and, and, and got it.
0: So, so again there's good networking opportunities as well as an international teacher.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly I mean and um, I think that the international teachers there's also there's a lot of networking. There's a lot of room for growth because um, you know a lot of people aren't career international teachers. So I think that if you stay in it for maybe uh, beyond the first two years, maybe to four years, you start being somebody who's actually got substantial experience, you know, compared to your colleagues, mm-hmm. because there are there are people that come up, that go over for two years, and that's that's also you know an acceptable way to do things. That'll come to a school for two years, and then think you know this is really good. It's been a really good experience, but for whatever reason, I want to return back to the UK. Um, but they're, you know, if you do stay on longer, if you do stay on two, four, six years, I mean, by the time I'd been teaching for six years internationally, you know, that's a that's a a wealth of experience compared to compared to a lot of people who mm. would be just coming for the first time, being for the first time.
0: Well, I was going to ask about that—is that Is it that exactly that point? And, and presumably, then it means you're in the position to start being that person who's welcoming the new, you know, fresh, fresh-faced, you know, never been teaching abroad kind of teachers before did you see the increase in teachers suddenly arriving or applying for jobs you know because obviously the growth in international school market over the last sort of 10 years particularly is quite well documented
1: i would say that i've actually only noticed that when i went back to italy because after after bogota i went to quito in ecuador and um, that was another small local school um so when, once i moved back to milan which i did about 10 years ago that um At that point, it became it became much more of um, international teaching became much more prominent over the last ten years. We've seen. I think that that's really where that end of that curve that you were talking about has come. So the the growth in terms of the number of schools, even in um, Milan in northern Italy, the number of schools has grown you know, two three times. Um, so I have been rooted in one place during that, but I've kind of watched these things happen around me.
0: I see. Well, let's take a step back then before we get there, and let's talk about <laughs> Ecuador. Another is that sort of, you know fantastic place to sort of say you've lived and worked. And what what led to that change? What were you? What sort of inspired you to move? how did you find that process? Again, was there anything in that that was particularly new or novel that you thought, oh, I know what I'm doing now. And then suddenly, you you know, you're throwing a curveball, or, or did it all, again, is an example of the international community. Once you're in it, you can actually move around, you know, fairly easily.
1: Yeah, that's the case. I think that, you know, I'd actually um, decided I wanted to go back to the classroom um, when I went to Ecuador and I'd initially applied to the, because I had been out of the classroom and out of the primary classroom for four years at that point and I had um basically was applying for the year four teacher but because of my experience they um, wanted a head of primary so I was given (laughs) I was reluctantly (laughs) interviewed for that but I mean the school was was uh, a really really lovely small community school and um so that's why I ended up in Ecuador. I again I wanted to stay in South America and I was just ready for a change.
0: And I think you said you had a, was it there you had a Michelin star chef providing your meals?
1: Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, I, I I did feel really sorry in some ways because the meals were so extraordinary. A lot of times when people would talk about the school, the first thing they would say is the meals. But I mean, It's actually a really lovely little school. You know, and the teachers were, we were doing the British National Curriculum. That was actually where I first taught the British National Curriculum because, of course, in Scotland and the other schools, I'd been doing the Scottish Curriculum of PYP. Um, it was a really lovely school, but because the food was so amazing, it always got the first mention (laughs) and uh, it was really really hard not to uh not to put on weight luckily there was lots of mountains and activities and hiking and there was quite a sporty bunch of people in ecuador so i think we managed to just to work off some some of the
0: lunches (laughs) well it's, it's a really nice insight again into like the little things but you know again like wherever you end up there's these sort of quirky things there's people there's things to do outside of school and and Again, I suppose, you know, teachers who are embarking on this career or they're thinking about it, that sort of reality and that vision of, of that's what life can be like. Work, of course, but there's there's fun outside of it is another important thing to be aware of that you will. You can socialize, you can do all the kind of normal things you do at home, if not more so in, in a new country.
1: You say, Dan, it's like these, these kind of quirky little things that you just occasionally think, oh, yeah, I live in Ecuador because usually, you know, you're. It's, it's strange how normalized things become when you live in a, wherever you are, even if you're living in a foreign country, you go, okay, home and work, home and work. And that's, you know, a large part of what your day your weeks look like and so these things become really normalized but there are these little things when you just get to step back and go oh yeah oh yeah I I was rushing to my classroom in Ecuador I slipped on avocado and and seriously hurt myself that wouldn't have happened in Scotland (laughs) or went on a school trip in Ecuador and there were monkeys that were keeping the children awake because they were running along the roofs again that wouldn't have happened in Italy so they're just these little moments you know when you're walking up the stairs in, in, in Italy you're walking and you get to see the sunrise over the Alps, and you're just going, oh yeah, I live in an amazing place, what an opportunity.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a lovely way of looking at it, like you say, some of those sort of little moments of just sort of, oh yeah, you know, which I think we all get when we go on holiday even, but to have it in your, in your sort of day-to-day working life sounds fantastic, and I suppose, you know, from there, from Ecuador, and you, you sort of give it a really painted, really nice picture there, so again, it, it begs the question, why did you leave and, and move back to Italy. And I'm sure there was a very good reason, but it's interesting to, again, understand what, what led you back, not home, shall we say, but back to a place you'd been before in in, the, in Italy.
1: There were two things. One was the, was the health situation, just because I wanted to make sure I had the health completely covered and it didn't look like that was happening. Um, and I didn't want to take any chances. But another reason was, I also just wanted to be closer to my, uh, the, the people I know and the, uh, Europe is a, Place it's a little more like again not home but it feels a little bit more like it. South America I absolutely love, but you could you I never felt a hundred percent like I am at home, which is great because I wasn't trying to be at home in South America. I was trying to have an adventure. I was trying to explore. I was trying to experience a new culture. But after after six years in South America, I did feel a little bit like okay, I'm ready to feel a little bit more kind of it's a place that's more familiar to me, and so I moved to Italy.
0: And I, I sort of dread to ask this question, but did the cats make it back to on this trip as well?
1: My cats have traveled more places than you <laughs> even know. My cats have traveled more places than most people. <laughs> yeah, and, um, and actually, yeah, and we had the same contingent going out and coming back. So, uh, <laughs> plus that, a few extras. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, that's impressive though. They've made it all around the world, all, all of the trips, so and they're, they're still going strong, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you came back to Italy. Um, and again, that was obviously 10 years ago. So you sort of touched on the fact that since that time, you've seen that that big growth in international schools market and so forth. And I mean, again, it's a very sort of broad thing to talk about. But in, in general, you know, does it has it surprised you the growth? Have you sort of seen, you know, the increased applications? And when you have a job, is it so many more people applying than, than before? I mean, what, what was that? How, how have you seen that manifest in, in your from your view?
1: In my view, from a actually as a recruiter, it hasn't actually changed that much because I think that especially since Italy is such a desirable location, you know, we always get lots of we've always got lots of applications. We've always had lots of applications. And um, the school I'm currently working, it has very low turnover. So, you know, in terms of recruitment, I was always a bit spoiled for choice. So I don't think it really changed that. I think it it changed. um the growth of international schools in the city has um one thing that I've really enjoyed about it is it actually ex- expanded our um expanded our professional network within this within the city that's been a really really positive thing that we've seen, and I think that it's also starting to normalize a little bit moving abroad and going to new schools. I think that that's been a real a real positive as well with the with the um, with the growth of international schools obviously, I think that what you lose um then is a little bit of the kind of the quirkiness, the individuality, the um the you know, kind of the, the the those little specific de- uh, details that make a are really of a place. I think those do time kind of are are probably not as prominent because things do tend to be a little bit homo- more homogenized as you're starting to look at um once you start, once you start kind of looking at groups of schools or more schools, so they, they, things do get a little bit modernized mm. and, you, you know, you're not necessarily going to have the,
0: yeah. Yeah, it's so. an understandable point. Like I said, the, the sort of dilution of there's more schools and they sort of yeah. become more, even more sort of set in where they are I suppose the question then is is you know as an international teacher do you still feel though is the teaching component if we put all that to one side though, when you're in the classroom and you're working with the children that element that being a teacher which is obviously ultimately is you know what this is all about that presumably always stays central and strong and this is the thing that gets you, you know, into school every morning
1: Absolutely. I mean, teaching again. I'm a primary school teacher, so you know, we do have that that luxury of you know. Once you have your class, that's your world, and that doesn't change no matter where you are. And and it you might have to slightly adapt the kind of teacher you are. You might grow a little bit and adopt a new curriculum. You might have to change methodology slightly, but at the end of the day, you know those those are those those kids are are you know, that's your little world in your classroom. So that's that still stays the same. And I as I said it's really been interesting for me to teach so many different uh, children with different uh, profiles and like cultural profiles because it's a it's it really brings out you, you have to be creative. You can't just necessarily you know I, I, a lesson that would have worked in Scotland um, is not necessarily gonna work in Italy. It's not necessarily gonna work in Colombia. So it's been um yeah it has been really Really
0: good. So I suppose there's one last thing we should probably talk about, which is coronavirus. And and you know obviously that's going to be a big concern for a lot of people. You know, traveling internationally, how easy can you can you do that? What happens if there's lockdowns? Can you get home easily? And appreciative, you know, the, I'm appreciative of that. You know, there's no way anyone could really know the answer to these things. But in general, I think from your experience of, of working internationally and the way processes schools are very well set up to help teachers move around, w- would you sort of overall sort of say yes, it's going to be a thing to think about now. But that actually, if you've got that desire to teach internationally, if it's something you've, you really think oh, that's what I want to do, or even if it's in sort of a half thought in your mind, it shouldn't be seen as this insurmountable barrier. Schools will make it work if they need to and they want to.
1: You answered the question for me there, Dan. Um, but basically, yes, exactly. I, I'm always one that I just basically I think that, you know, if that's something that you want to do, take the opportunity and do it. Schools are always thinking behind the scenes, they have always got things, um, all systems in place, they've got, uh, they've got all the documentation, they've got all the processes, they've got all the procedures, that's all in place at the schools that you'd be going to. Um, I would also say that, you know, who knows what um, travel, what things are going to be like in the next five years, so maybe I would actually argue that now is the time to do it, because, you know, who knows what um, international teaching is going to look like in five years time, who knows what, um, what travel is going to look like in in five to ten years time so now is the time to do it and um again it's a it's a it's a it's a leap of faith I guess but it's um I mean I've just been constantly surprised and you know there have been really <laughs> challenging times uh, um but you know it just, I just I I can't imagine having stayed in one place or even just stayed in Scotland um or even the UK for the last uh, oh my gosh nearly 20 years i mean my life would be so much less less rich if i hadn't taken the leap to take uh, to to go into mm. international teaching
0: and I, and I suppose one question from that is: some people might some people you know see different sort of circumstances allow or, or don't allow you to do certain things but have you found it ha- in terms of you living sort of the type of lifestyle you've wanted to live it's obviously worked for you you know were you aware of some teachers where they yeah very quickly they realize that, yeah i love this but I want to settle down, I want to have a family, I want to live in one set place. You know, is it just about a personality type that can cope more with the sort of nomadic existence of long-term international teaching than than other people, do you think? Or is it more about just finding the right schools at where you want to stay?
1: Well, I think there's uh, so many factors. I think there's a, there's there's a lot of different people. For example, who maybe just wanted to come over for um, a a year. I mean, I kn- I know so many people in Italy who they were just planning to come over to Italy to teach for two years, and they happened to meet somebody, and now they've been here for twenty years and they've got a family. So you get some people that are kind of accidentally rooted. You get some people that are you know could just popping over maybe with an idea of I'll just do a short term, maybe two year contract uh, just for the experience and go back. But again, um, I would say. Uh, always go in with an open mind because I would say any situation if you're teaching internationally it's if you decide it's not for you it's always reversible in the sense that contracts are usually one year two years and you even if you're um, having an experience you think okay maybe this isn't for me long term you know you can still get something out of it you could always um, you can always experience the culture you can learn a lot about yourself because of course you have to be um, you have to be reliant on yourself and you learn so much about what you are capable of doing because you're put into a context where all of a sudden you have to, um, you know, maybe seek out help or where you have to try to travel to a new place. And I think that those, those things, as frustrating as they can be at times, are the bits that you just, by the end of it, you just are amazed at what you're able to accomplish and what you've learned and what you've been able to do. So I, for me, um, I would say that if you're, some, if you're somebody who has, who is not prepared at least to take um, a foot out of UK, if you're just going to travel and you're going to go to, uh, you're going to move to Italy, but you're really going to go home every other weekend, you're going to be at home and your fiance's at home and, 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 and you really aren't committed to at least trying for the, uh, to, to see what life looks like there. I would say that that is the kind of person who's probably not going to have as much success but if you say like wait for one year i'm going to do it i'm just going to throw myself in and see what happens i would say that that's really likely to have a really interesting experience
0: Mm. well that seems like a really nice way of wrapping up and and obviously you know your career from from scotland to italy ecuador colombia back to italy sort of shows what can happen if you if you take that leap um and it's very interesting to sort of you know stay in touch and and see where see which part of the world you end up in next whenever that may be but certainly you know for this for this podcast and this this chat Thank you so much for sharing your insights and experience. I'm sure everyone's found it very interesting.
1: Thank you very much, Dan.